The views and opinions expressed by the hosts of Black Talk Radio News and any guests represents their views and their views only and do not necessarily represent the views of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. Hello and welcome to BTR News with Scotty Reed and joining me for this episode about systemic racism in medical care for non-white people in the United States is Dr. Hetty Cunningham. We will talk about these issues which will be featured in the Oprah Winfrey produced film, The Color of Care, which premieres this Sunday, May 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Smithsonian Channel. Um, Black Talk Radio subscribers can uh, also visit www.smithsonianchannel.com for more information. Thank you for speaking with me today, Dr. Cunningham. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Mr. Reed. Before we get into this complex issue of subpar healthcare for non-white people in the United States, can you tell us a bit about who you are as a person? And for instance, at what age did you know you wanted to be a healer? And what age did you start to map your path to where you are today in the medical field? What, what were your inspirations? Well, uh, I feel like uh, probably prenatal, because my parents met um, demonstrating uh, for CORE back in the 60s. So it was a, it's been a long um, path. And then my mother is a, a Harlem resident and an educator. And my father is a pediatrician and an activist. So um, I guess you could say I came out that way. Um, and, um, you know, I've been so fortunate to be able to come to uh, Columbia University and follow some leaders uh, who were work doing deeply embedded community work and um, an anti-racist work, you know, way back 23 years ago. So um, it's been kind of a natural path, but I've been so fortunate to, um, to have amazing mentors along the way that I could learn from. Well, I was, that was going to be my next question is, did you have any role models in, or mentors that you can go ahead and give them a shout out who helped you get where you are today? Oh my gosh, there's just so many, so many. Um, I mean, Dr. Dodie Meyer at Columbia is someone who I came uh, here to work with. Um, there's so many. Sydney Hankerson is someone who's doing a lot of work in the Black churches here. Uh, Bob Fully Love, also another partner in that. Um, so people who are doing deeply impactful work uh, in the community to, um, to change um, health disparities. Um, Dr. Olajide Williams is someone who's very, very active here at, at New York Presbyterian and people who I've been working with um, and continue to work with. Also, Al Kohal is another person who I work uh, tremendously with. And then my co, um, uh, one of my kind of partners in crime currently is um, Dr. Jean Marie Bradford. So there's just so many people. Um, and then on the national stage, um, Aletha Maybank is someone who's, you know, most recently kind of the inaugural um, director of equity and justice at the American Medical Association, which is a traditionally a fairly conservative organization, but she's been transforming uh, on the national stage. There's just so many, so many people. Now you mentioned your parents being activists, and I assume this was during the 60s, 70s era. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, at, speaking of trying to address racism and um 
you know, disproportionate bad health outcomes for people of color and specifically black people. Did they ever mention to you once you made it, you know, uh, clear that you wanted to take the path that you took into the medical field of the early work of the Black Panther Party, uh, which I don't think, you know, their contributions to addressing uh, the needs of black people in healthcare gets enough discussion. But were you aware of that? Did anybody ever bring that to your attention? Oh, yes. Oh yes, the Black Panther movement was very instrumental here in, Columbia, uh, in New York City in bringing um, healthcare and this concept of, um, you know, uh, community health workers. You know, they were they were at uh, at the forefront of that. And then when I trained down in Philadelphia, the Move organization similarly, um, you know, was was continuing that even when I was down there um, in the nineteen in the early nineteen nineties. So there's so many grassroots organizations um, that have been at the forefront of this of this um, struggle. And yes, I was aware of that. Mm -hmm. The upcoming documentary of The Color of Care, which again will be on the Smithsonian Channel on May 1st, that's this coming Sunday at eight o'clock p.m. Eastern. How did you come to become a participant in the documentary? Was there anything about your previous work that made you a quality candidate to participate in disseminating information about the subject matter. And I've already established, you know, um, before we started that you are uh, already involved in, in professionally in this work uh, as a co-leader for the anti-racist transformation in medical education project. So you think that's one of the reasons that, that you came to participate Yes, yes, absolutely. And when Mr. Ford reached out to me, um, it was kind of at the height of um, when there was so many, we were, we were finding out about so many health disparities and family members um, who I have in Brooklyn were reaching out to me and telling me um, of just horrible stories, very similar to the ones in the film. Um, so when and in addition, I've been teaching and educating about health disparities for over 20 years. So when Mr. Ford reached out to me, it was the perfect um, kind of uh, overlap of professional and personal passions. Um, so I was grateful to be involved in the film. Um, in terms of the anti-racist um, transformation in medical education program, this is a program that was started at Mount Sinai. Uh, and the objective is to, um, is a, we're a cohort of 11 medical schools across the country um, that have brought, been brought together by leaders at Mount Sinai. And the idea is that we all need to learn about organizational change and how you make organizational change happen. So we're all in our medical you know, schools um, you know, participating in all kinds of initiatives, uh, all kinds of anti-racist initiatives. Um, but at some point we're kind of putting our finger into holes, you know, we're kind of plugging dams. And so they're really encouraging us to step back and look at the system and who are the people that we need to engage in this effort, predict what are the where is the resistance gonna come from and how are we gonna manage that resistance when we get to it? What are all the stakeholders that we can bring in to our effort and and how can we speak to them what's the language they're speaking you know so on all different levels how can we create a, a movement 
that won't be a flash in the pan that will endure. So it's, it's very interesting, actually. We've been participating in this cohort of, of um, 11 medical schools and um, we're kind of chomping at the bit because they're, you know, they're saying, hold off in doing, think about how you're gonna do and how it's gonna sustain. And, you know, so it's, it's really, we're, it's, we're learning and, and they're educating us to have the maximal impact in the maximal area that will sustain for the, for the longest time. So not just recruiting those people in the choir, but how are we bringing more people, bringing more people into the church um, to use that metaphor. So that's what the, the, that, that, that uh, initiative is all about. And it's very exciting uh, and on time as well. And so I have two questions from uh, two black women who follow the podcast. I asked my audience if anybody would like to ask any questions and that might be covered in the color of care, which again is airing this Sunday at eight o'clock PM Eastern on the Smithsonian channel. Now their questions are how, and these are general questions speaking to the issue of systemic racism in the healthcare system. So, so these black women uh, ask, how are they going to improve not having fatalities amongst black women during childbirth and after giving birth? I don't know if, if this might be um, something talked about in the color of care, but if if so, great. If not, what are your thoughts on it, uh, Dr. Cunningham? It is covered, it is talked about in the film, and there are a, a lot of initiatives in this area. Um, this is not my area of expertise being a pediatrician, but we were actually um, just, we had the opportunity to go and speak with members of Congress um, actually two days ago with Mr. Ford, the director and some other uh, participants in the film. And um, we talked about um, the disparities, the maternal and infant mortality disparities in, um, in black women. And it, um, they are introducing legislation. This is an area that um, I think everybody is much more aware of. And this film is an attempt to keep the discussion going and to really keep the urgency around this issue um, at the forefront of people's minds. So we are engaged in a number of um, initiatives in the medical schools. Um, some of the most significant, um, and I would say the medical schools, but also the scientific community overall, um, some of the most significant are making sure that people are learning about how to care for people with dark skin. You know, uh, American medicine came up in the time of segregation and there are many um, things that you would be surprised, right? Like most of the uh, education is uh, the, the pictures that you see are on people with um, light skin. And so historically doctors have not been trained to recognize, um, let's say anemia, low, which is low, low blood count, um, low oxygenation. Um, you know, you talk about cyanosis, which is when, how, how you see low oxygen physically on a person. Um, the medical, our medical institutions are not doing as good a job as we need to to, to be able to recognize these things on people with dark skin. This is something that um, the Black Lives Matter movement and um, this, this time that we're in has made 
and these and these disparities has made much much more visible and um, has heightened the, the medical community's awareness of these issues. So from, th from those kind of even very simple tasks, I was just reading about um, a black woman who is a phys physics graduate student at Brown University, who's working on a pulse oximeter, a technology that will pick up um, low oxygen levels on dark skin as well as on light skin. This is something that, a technology that has not existed to date, um, which is, Shocking, um, but these are these are some of the initiatives, and then there's just so so many more. Um, I think all over the country, and, and maybe even all over the world, that that this movement that we're in now has brought this these deficiencies to light. And um, and would you say these deficiencies are of a global nature, not just here in the United States? I, I do think they're of a global nature. I think that European countries, um, because they have more money, drive initi initiatives in medicine uh, globally. Um, but if you go to a majority, uh, you know, like if you go to Africa or, you know, where people have darker skin, they know how to treat, right? So a lot of, they know how to recognize um, these physical symptoms. So we have to also learn from um, our, our colleagues in, in areas where, um, you know, where people have, you know, like darker skin and they know what to do, but we typically think we're teaching them, you know, people here in, in, in you know, America and Europe think, oh, we're gonna go over there and teach them. There's a lot they can teach us um, and we need to listen and learn. Well, that actually is a perfect segue into the second question. And she, she asked, why don't they listen to us as Black people about our health concerns? I think that's an excellent question. Um, and it's a huge problem. We know that um, Black people are not listened to. And this is, I mean, research studies show that our experience tells us that. Um, but a lot of times, you know, we may think, you know, that perspective may not be respected. Um, how are we teaching um, medical students and our faculty and our clinicians at, at, at my institution? That has to do with educating people about the history. Um, you know, when you see in this film, you start to understand where these, um, where these biases, we call them implicit biases, where do they come from? They come from um, the whole history of the way our nation is set up, residential segregation, redlining, um, so that when somebody comes to the doctor, you know, maybe they're late, maybe they missed an appointment, they're blamed for the, the issue rather than understanding that they had to take three buses to get there, that the, um, the, the you know, how, how long they had to wait for an appointment. Um, or Couldn't all, find a babysitter couldn't find the babies, all, all the, you know, millions of reasons. And um, so one way to combat this lack of empathy, this lack of listening to the patient, understanding where they're coming from is by presenting the history. So it's not enough now to say, oh, um, you know, this person isn't taking their medication. We're teaching students to, to, to say, why is that? You know, what are the reasons behind that? Um, and, to, and to understand even all the way back historically 
and that adds empathy. If you, if you don't understand um, the history of all the ways in which medical care is made um, so very difficult for, uh, for our people to access, then when someone comes, you know, you think, oh, it's their fault. Um, and that was something that um, I think we saw so quickly in the COVID era that um, these health disparities were so quickly blamed on the very people who are suffering. Um, oh, well, it's because they don't eat right or something like that. Um, and so that needs to end. And, you know, there, there, is, there are initiatives to, to change that, um, but, you know, we need to keep this momentum moving forward and, and keep, keep up the, the pressure. Well, these questions and some of the answers you have given us um, is perfect segue to what I wanted to ask you about a viral story sparked by the video diary of Dr. Susan Moore, a Black physician who contracted COVID-19 and complained of the inadequate care she received before dying. The New York Times wrote, Black doctor dies of COVID-19 after complaining of racist treatment. He made me feel like a drug addict, Dr. Uh, Susan Moore said, accusing a white doctor of downplaying, downplaying her complaints of pain and suggesting she should be discharged. Did you hear about Dr. Moore's story and um, your thoughts on that? I did hear about Dr. Moore's story. Um, and it was devastating, but not surprising. This happens every day. Um, and black people, black women are not respected. You know, we heard from Serena as, as well. You know, she was able to shine. You know, this is a doctor and a, and a national uh, hero that they were able to, um, to shine a spotlight on this area. Um, but this, this, this is not news. This has been known. You know, the, the, the film highlights the, the 2003, 20 years ago um, report from Congress um, the Institute of Medicine um, reporting on unequal treatment. And um, this, this same data of um, Black people not being treated for pain. Um, these studies are, are well known. Uh, well, they're well known to people who are listening. Um, in, my, in, my, in my specialty, um, you know, the studies of, of Black people not being treated as aggressively for pain the worst, the most severe disparities are actually in black children, which I think most people would be surprised to know. Um, so we have a lot of work to do. Um, now on the coronavirus uh, pandemic, which is something that um, touched my family personally, I was the only one who was vaccinated at the time uh, because of my uh, status and access to the uh, vaccines through the VA healthcare system. I, I am a veteran. And so I had access before a lot of people were able to get access. And, but my entire immediate family, meaning my mother, um, my children, um, two daughters, and then uh, both my grandchildren through, with those two daughters. So, and our mother um, really um, just suffered a terrible bout of it uh, was placed on ox oxygen. Thankfully, she was never uh, hospitalized and she recovered and is doing well um, thus far. Um, but can the disinformation that I was seeing targeting Black people on social media 
um, anti-vaccine disinformation. And I tried to combat that through some of the media that I was producing, but I want to speak to you and perhaps, um, again, the color of healthcare might, might cover this, but can you speak in general terms to what the data shows on the mortality rates of the different groups and likely causes as it relates to uh, the pandemic? So the film does talk a lot about the mortality rates, and I'm not going to try to guess <clears throat> the exact numbers, um, but Black people um, in, in this country, um, our mortality rates were much, much higher than any other group. Um, in terms of the disinformation, um, I think it's, I think this is a worldwide problem. I just heard on the radio today that disinformation is one of the, um, a big, um, topic of conversation, you know, for nations meeting, I think this week or next week internationally. Um, and a lot of those, um, you know, anti-vaccine websites were set up in Russia. Um, I don't, I think it's, 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 a, it's a huge problem, not only with vaccines, but politically, you know, it's a, it's a huge threat to our health and our democracy. Um, I'm glad your family is doing okay. In yeah. terms of vaccines, I mean, I, I just, it was, it was really hard. My family also had a real hard time coming around to trusting vaccines. Um, it seemed like if one person, um, you know, within a community got vaccinated, then, mm -hmm. you know, other people would look at that and say, oh, they did okay. Now I'm going to get uh, you know, get that was exactly the case with yeah. my family finally getting vaccinated was I had it and, you know, and they saw I didn't catch it, thankfully. And uh, even though I was all around them and in close contact, uh, but I was vaccinated. Um, but yeah, disinformation is big. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I know, you know, we're kind of pressed uh, for time. But lastly, I would like you to tell us how this documentary is a important watch for non-white and white people in a white people dominated healthcare system. Why, you know, give us your personal pitch for why it's worth our time to tune in uh, this Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Smithsonian Channel. I think there's a number of reasons. One, one is for me personally, the, the movie itself is like a memorial to the people who passed. Um, you know, so many of our people passed and they're just oftentimes thought of as numbers. And this movie puts a face to our suffering. And um, to me, that's one of the most powerful. It's, it's a truth-telling um, opportunity. Um, in addition, I think people will um, start to connect the dots and understand where, how we got here um, and understand some of the, the really important facts and figures um, that, 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 that are behind this story. So Mr. Ford is a master storyteller and um, he does a really amazing job in bringing both the humanity, the science and the statistics together. Um, and I'm hoping that, I mean, I, in, my, in our medical school, this will be watched. Um, and in medical, they're planning, you know, whole um, year long campaign to bring this movie to the very people who need to see it the most probably, which are the medical community, because um, it's very educational. Um, but then, you know, in terms of just people in general, you know, 
pe people who've suffered, I think it's a it's a, it's a it's a moment of honoring, especially the frontline workers who put their lives at risk for the rest of the the, the community and our and our nation, um, and that comes across very clearly in this film. They did not have to do it, and they did. Right. Well, thank you for joining me. And do you have any final thoughts uh, that you would like to express? I'm just so grateful for um, the opportunity to speak with you today, Mr. Reed, and for the opportunity to be involved in this film, for Mr. Ford for making it, and for um, Ms. Winfrey for, for um, promoting it and, and for seizing this moment to um, not lose the opportunity to move this, this um, this critical um, issue forward. You know, we have to keep, we have to keep talking. We have to keep uh, advocating. Thank you. And you have a great rest of your day, Dr. Cunningham. Thank you so much, Mr. Reed, my pleasure. And again, I just wanna remind the audience that the film, of uh, The Color of Care, the documentary will premiere this Sunday, May 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Smithsonian Channel. Thank you for joining me here on Black Talk Radio News, part of blacktalkradionetwork.com.